Welcome to No Ordinary Ordinary Women, Women, the podcast where two ordinary broads chat about extraordinary women, the good, the bad, and and the the batshit crazy. Hi, I'm Lynn. Hi, I'm Rose. And we are so happy that we're back. We missed you guys for that whole week. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So how's your week been so far, Rose? Good, good, good. How about Yay. yours? Yay! We're back to regularly scheduled programming. Programming. Yes, yes. Recording yes. on Thursdays again. Yes, yes. It was really hard to write my first story coming back from break. Yeah, well, that's because, yeah, I wrote two in a row. So you got a big, long You wrote break. three in a row, didn't you? Oh, I did write three in a row. You're right. You <laughs> I was like, I haven't break. written a, a <laughs> podcast in like a month and a half. But you did, you, when I was on my vacation in Europe, you did an extra one. So it's only fair. I've been wanting to make that up, so I did. Oh. Now I, Cheers. Now I'm going to have to make it up to you? Is that what you're saying? We're just no, going to have to keep going back now. and forth? We're even. Okay. We're, we're even Steven. Even Steven. So the cocktail of the week, ladies and gentlemen, is a, what do we call it? Bourbon bliss. A bourbon bliss. We named did it ourselves. Post it? You did? I did post it. Uh, we named it ourselves because it is. What are you checking my spelling, Rose? No, I'm checking the post. Checking I'm sure you posted something wrong. <laughs> I was like, right before I went to post, I'm like, I need to proofread it. And then I, I hit send. I was like, oh, well, I sent it. No, it's right. Okay. Good job, Lynn. So, anyway, it's um, two ounces of bourbon and eight ounces of lemonade and a sprig of rosemary. It's very nice. I wanted bourbon because it's been cold lately. Today's actually not as cold as it's been. But I wanted something, like, warmy. Yeah, it's very, like, wintry, warm, yeah. cuddly. Lynn's going to start cuddling me. We're going to cuddle. I'm so tired. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> so that's the cocktail of the week. Something really different. Good. Something different. Something fun. That bourbon is delish. I, this is the really good bourbon. I, th- I spare what? no expense. Oh. On, this is the good, good. This is the local bourbon. Did you get me the... $150 bottle? No, it was 147 Oh, ooh. Not, not as good as I like. <laughs> <laughs> no, this is um, a local bourbon um, Ragged Branch distillery. I love oh, it. It is really good. It's so yummy. And Lynn um, garnished in. it with Christmas tree branches. Yeah, she asked me, is this part of your... From your tree? (laughs) My tree is fake. (laughs) Yeah, I stuck a plastic branch in your tree. (laughs) It does look like no. It is a um, just sprig of rosemary. Just it's pretty. It's you really can't taste it in there. Probably should have twisted it or something to kind of give it an aroma, release the oil. You know, I'm not a big rosemary fan, so I prefer Christmas tree. Next time I'll garnish it with my fig tree. <laughs> so, Rose, who are you going to tell us about today? I am going to tell you about Susan Kuhnhausen. You don't know who she is. I don't think you've ever heard this story. Uh, I don't think so. This is a crazy story. Kuhnhausen. Kuhnhausen. Is that a Germ- German it's name? It's K-U-H-N-H-A-U-S-E-N. Wouldn't that be a German name? Yep. Looks German. Yeah. Susan. Makes me want a big beer (laughs) and some potato dumplings. (laughs) (laughs) Too bad. Okay, I'm going to be cold now. All right. Warm me up. So in January 1990... No. Nope. Already fucked it up. Already fucked it up. Start over. Beep, 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 In January of 1988... 
At the age of 33, Susan was an ER nurse who was looking to settle down. Faced with limited success in the dating scene, she decided to place an ad in the local newspaper. Same, Susan. Have you ever done that? I did it. Did you? No. God, I hate you. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, what do I have to lose at this point? I remember reading the ads. I do, too. Back in the day. I don't think they do it anymore, do they? I don't know the person. You could do Craigslist. <laughs> you could do it on Craigslist. And I love reading oh, this I know. stuff on Craigslist. It's I love so reading bad. the one, like, what is it called? Missed Connections. Missed Connections. Yes, oh, that's my, my favorite. favorite. Me in a brown sweater with blue eyes and black hair, walking eastbound on 10th Street, while you, blonde hair, green eyes, wearing a bright red sweater and a pink scarf, walking westbound on 10th Street. <laughs> Our eyes locked for, for a special moment. If you want to see where that goes, message me. <laughs> so how did, did you just put your phone number in the? What the fuck are you talking about? How did you do that back in the day? Like if you put a personal ad, what, how did oh, they connect to you? I think they reply to the ad um, with the ad number back in the day. It was by mail. Oh, okay. With the ad number. And then they, the. Oh, my God. And then, like, five weeks later, you guys finally get to call? there was no instant response. And then you have to, like, call each other? I don't know. I guess you write letters to each other. I mean, like, if if you did that, you said, you know, misconnection, and then the person says, oh, my God, that was me. And this was, like, back before even Craigslist. And they would write a letter to the newspaper and say, you know, send it with ad number, blah, blah, blah. Uh, Okay. And then the newspaper probably you know, mails them to you or you pick them up or whatever. And then you have to either, if they don't give you their phone number, mail them back. (laughs) It's a very long courting process. I've already, I've already dated six guys by then and gotten dumped by everyone. (laughs) Good job, Lynn. So, um, I try. Some of the articles I read said that it was her mom and her friend that placed the, the ad. Oh, that's some bullshit. Or they paid for the ad, but she, I don't know, but I didn't like that story. So I'm saying that she <laughs> placed the ad. You're just going to make it up. I like, I like that. I like, I like this that. story better. Just, just go, you go, you I just think you. it's weird. Like, I hope she consented to that. Like, Well, they may have talked her into it and they said, we'll pay for it. We'll pay for it. Yeah, that's what I'm like hoping. That. So anyway, this is because what. they weren't super cheap. They were kind of expensive. Oh, really? Like yeah, $5? I mean, yeah. I mean, like they were like. Yeah, I mean, you pay by word or whatever. So they oh, were, yeah. okay. So, so you didn't want too many words. Put, okay. It was expensive, you know, expensive at yeah, the time. Yeah, right. So her ad read, SWF, single white female, 33, embracing life despite being overweight, seeks SM, small male. SNM. <laughs> single male, desiring more from a relationship than mere slender. Hold on. Let me make sure I'm recording. Okay. Oh, my Kalanta. A lively healthcare professional who enjoys exploring the Northwest, values engaging conversation, and seeks good times with an intelligent, thoughtful, and humorous companion. What kind of good times? Emotional and financial maturity, maturity is a must. Mm. If you're looking for a bright, adventurous lady unafraid to advertise, please respond. Is she, she's looking for a man or a woman? She said SM, so single male. Oh, she said emotional intelligence, and that's she's not going to find that in a man. Well, she also said humorous companion, <laughs> which I was like, oh, you're looking for a man or a woman? Well, intelligence is hard to find, emotional intelligence. Yeah, you ain't going to find that in a man. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. In the one ads. 
<laughs> Imagine how the weirdos he get. Oh, I'm sure. What the fuck? So anyway, within two weeks, she received a response from Jeffrey Dahmer's. Like, oh, she's oh a my big god, girl. look at all that. I'm food. surprised there was never like a serial killer ad. Serial killer. Mm, I bet there was. You think so? Yes, I think you should find one. I think you should start placing ads on Craigslist. No thanks. I'm good. <laughs> I have enough weirdos. Imagine in my life. the guys you'll get there. No, I'm good. I'm good. So within two weeks, she received a response from 40-year-old Michael Kuhnhausen. A recent divorcee with two children. Michael, a Vietnam veteran, reached out to Susan and the two began chatting after exchanging phone numbers. For their first date in February of 1988, they met at the Crystal Springs Rhododendron Garden next to Reed College where they fed ducks and Mike tossed unsalted peanuts to squirrels. Mike tossed? Mike. His name is Mike. Oh, Mike. I'm thinking Mike toss, like Mike drop. I was like, what the fuck is that? What's a Mike toss? Yeah, he, <laughs> he Mike toss. Is that a game? <laughs> like hot potato? <laughs> so despite their differences, Susan, being an extroverted ER nurse who liked to unwind by socializing and traveling, and Michael, a more reserved homebody, the couple clicked. After five months of dating, Michael moved into Susan's home in Portland, Oregon. They eventually tied the knot in a small ceremony in Reno, Nevada on December 10th, 1988. So less than a year. What? 19, 19, December 10th, 1988? Yeah. Is that when you were born? No. When I was born? No, I was born in 85. <laughs> wow. Wow. That's very close to my son's birthday. Chris's. Oh. Well, I know who your son is. Chris, my son. Your son? You, know you have a son? Yeah, I do. I know. Yeah. Initially, the couple enjoyed a harmonious relationship with Susan embracing Michael's children as part of their complete family. However, their marriage soured quickly. It wasn't very long after they got married that there was no more hiking, no more going out. Within a few years of the wedding, Mike got a new job as a janitorial supervisor for Oregon Entertainment, the parent company of Fantasy Adult Video. Oregon Entertainment? Yeah. That's a hell of a name for a... Adult organ, video. like not organ, like we're like harvesting, Oregon. <laughs> like, like we're harvesting. <laughs> dot dot dot. No, like Oregon the state. Oh, Oregon, Oregon, Oregon. Or- <laughs> I did say Oregon. <laughs> Oregon. What did I say? Oregon, Oregon? Entertainment. <laughs> Where your liver like and Oregon? kidneys get the best entertainment all around. <laughs> so think about that. He was a janitorial supervisor. For an adult video store, cleaning up semen. 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 <laughs> Can you imagine mm. mopping that place? It has a sticky mop. Yeah. <sighs> so he started slowly revealing to her in the early years that he'd never really been happy. His life philosophy was, life is a shit sandwich and every day you take another bite until you die. <laughs> well, that's what happens when you're cleaning up sperm every day. <laughs> Yeah, with that job. I'd be the same way. It kind of is. Oh, my God. So they is everywhere in the room. Oh, my God. That's, I just, I can't. (laughs) First of all, why do they need a supervisor? Like, how many janitors do they need? I know. It's just a video store? Or is it like a production, like an adult movie, like, set, sounds like, maybe? Fantasy adult video. So it's an adult. Like movie store. You sure it's a no? Fantasy adult video might be a production company that produces adult videos. Oh. That would make sense if he was a, the. Oh my god, that's even worse. 
Well, I mean, it I'd makes more work sense in than a like video a... store needing that much. Many janitors. Janitors. That many janitors. Oh, my God. It's probably a movie set. It's probably a I guess somebody has company. to clean that up. That's so disgusting. Well, I mean, but the. Never mind. What? The shot, you know, the big shot. <laughs> the cum shot is usually, you know. What? In the movie. <laughs> so it's not just like jizzed all over the place. It's in the what? In the movie. Oh, my Lord. What do you mean in the movie? In a porn movie. Yeah, but where does it go? It goes wherever they want it to go. Wherever yeah, the, but he wherever has, the he director to clean says. It up. Yeah, but it's usually like on something that's like, you know, like, like a, person? a person or something. <laughs> like a person. God. I mean, I don't watch porn, so I'm sure. I, it I, sounds like you I, have I a lot of like, knowledge, oh, Lynn. I know. I'm like, oh, great. Now I, yeah. No. I mean, I've watched porn before, but I don't think like. I don't know. I don't think I've ever paid attention to where it goes. It doesn't usually go all over. I guess the place. they usually do it on the woman. But what about the woman? What if she's like? Oh, gross! <laughs> Sorry, I'll cut I'm out. That out. Bye. That was disgusting. You better cut. I'm that just saying. Quit the pod. It's a gross job. It is a gross job. So probably use comments, com- comments, condoms <laughs> laying everywhere. No, they don't use condoms, do they? I think they do, and do I they? don't know. I, Rose, I don't watch porn, so I really don't know. But you've been Let's in a few. Let's call your husband and ask. <laughs> <laughs> he would definitely know. <laughs> so Susan and Mike never had any children, and Susan was totally fine with that. She didn't. She didn't really want children. So Mike, who chain-smoked while guzzling Diet Cokes, hounded Susan about her plans when she went out. Like, he started being a little... Yeah, he should be worried about his organs. (laughs) Yeah, right. (laughs) Michael started scrutinizing her spending habits, even though she was the one who... Was making all the money. Who was making all the money. So he also became, like, started becoming really angry and having outbursts and um, blamed it on his military, like, PTSD. It's probably the Diet Coke eating his brain away and the chain smoking so susan got a little suspicious and she was, so she looked into his military history Uh-oh. and discovered that he wasn't having combat trauma he worked at a desk job during his service that's more trauma you and i know <laughs> that's true <laughs> a desk job will give you some serious trauma yeah I also have serious angry trauma. outbursts <laughs> I think it's more tra- I'd rather serve front line military <laughs> she's joking I don't know think about all the boys that'd be around me oh my god Lynn you're such a hoe they'd be like oh we're being bombed sorry I'm busy Lynn's having sex with everyone. <laughs> You'd be the military hoe. Yes, I would. So, faced with the escalating anger in a strained relationship, Susan issued an ultimatum. Or an old tomato. Old tomato? Is <laughs> old it like tomato. Old tomato? Counseling or divorce. Uh. But by 2005, little had improved, prompting uh. Susan to suggest a trial separation. That never works. So Michael moved in with his father, and despite attempts to maintain a semblance of normalcy for their family, the couple faced ongoing challenges. They attended family events together and tried to reconcile, but Susan was like, 
this feels fucking good. Yeah. Like not having this mopey ass oh, angry yeah. man around all the time is oh amazing. God, could you imagine it was like it was like having like fifty monkeys off her back. Oh my god, I can't. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's having, probably what happens when I go out of town. How you feel? Yeah, that like December when you weren't texting me all the time, it was like, oh my god, this freedom is amazing. You miss me? Get over it. <laughs> Don't even pretend. All the fans know. I slid into their DMs and told them. Did you? Yes. Yeah. Um, no, but I think if you've ever been with or like been with someone who's mopey, yeah, it's the worst. Yeah, I mean, I go through my phases for sure, but I'm alone. But you're so. not mopey. Like, I don't think you're mopey. I am sometimes. Well, you're a little annoying, but. <laughs> Take that back. <laughs> I can be mopey, but I think if no, I, I don't I, think you're mopey at all. I think, I'm mopey by myself. I'm not mopey around. Yeah, other I, I, I really don't think you are. Like not like this. Not like oh, life is the worst, and yeah, I'm no, gonna like life is a shit sandwich. And yeah, <laughs> like you're definitely not like that because I would not be your friend. Yeah, I'd be like, all right, you go eat your shit sandwich. I'm taking my yeah, podcast to I'm someone really else. Not, I don't know, the E. coli you get. Ugh, think about all this. <laughs> <Gross>. <laughs> So, although Susan had kicked him out of the house, she never changed their alarm code, and he still had a key to their house. Oh, so he was still great. He was still kind of coming and going, was and they like were hiding in the basement like my guy was for um, the woman. What was her name? When she was in the woman <gasps> that was accused. Remember, he like went and hid in the basement and listened to her and her yeah, boyfriend who have was sex. that? What was her name? Was that Alice Crimmins? No, I did Alice Crimmins. Did I do Alice Crimmins? No, I think it was Alice Crimmins. What was her name? Alice, where she she was accused of killing her kids? Yeah, that but was I Alice did that one, didn't I? No, you did it, Alice Crimmins. Don't try and steal my thunder, girl. I swear, I did Alice Crimmins. No, it was. Um, oh my gosh, stand by. Oh, you did tell us about Alice Crimmins. Yeah, that's who it was. Alice that's Kermit. so funny because I just listened to that on LGTC and I was like, oh, yeah, I already covered this story. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, yeah, it was totally me. Because my mom told me to do that one. Oh, my God. I'm losing my mind. Yeah. Like, remember, she would have sex with her boyfriends and her husband would go into the basement of the apartment yeah, building and I listen. Yeah, I do remember that. And that's Blah. so weird. That's so weird. I literally just listened to that episode like two days ago. So in the summer of 2006... Sex? That's when Joseph was born. Why? Because you had sex? I did have sex to get pregnant. Just that once. I've only had sex three times in my life. Okay. Yeah, that's what Chris tells me. (laughs) (laughs) Sure, that's what it feels like. (laughs) He's the one who wanted to have all those kids. Yep. Yep. So in the summer of 2006, um, Susan decided to end her marriage and ask for a divorce. And her relationship with Michael deteriorated. Started- <laughs> okay, you're too much drinking. Pour your drink in here. <laughs> I'll drink the rest. Go ahead and pour it in here. Just pour me your drink. So her relationship with Michael started going really bad, and and they mm. kind of were like she was. They were still friendly, but she was kind of like trying to keep him at a distance. Well, she was probably not. She was probably not playing his games anymore. Right. So his, like, depression and his, yeah. like, mopiness, and he would bring her down. And she probably, 
I don't know this for a fact, but I assume she probably tried to do things to make him feel better and like to cheer him up and like, right. You know, and then she like stopped doing do. that. And yeah. then she was like, once she had to, once she got to stop doing that, she's like, what the hell? And, and so yeah. he's like, mm. didn't like it. Yeah. And she said, I cared about him, but I didn't want to live with him anymore. Mm-hmm. I wanted to be happy again. Go, sister, go. So on the evening of, so I, I love her. She's like, once you hear this story, you're going to be like, holy shit. So on the evening of Wednesday, September 6, 2006, at the age of 51, Susan completed her shift at Providence Portland Medical Center, went and got her hair done, and then went home to pack her bags for an out-of-town nurse, nursing conference. Upon entering the house through the mudroom at the back, she disarmed her alarm and discovered a note from Mike had been placed by the microwave in the kitchen. Sue, having trouble sleeping, needed a break, went to the beach. He expected that he would return Friday or Saturday. And she had asked him to watch her house um, while, he, while, she, while she was gone. Okay. Yeah. So he, this is his, him saying, I can't do it. So neither one of them had kids. He had kids, but they were grown by this okay. point because she's okay. already 51 at this point. I remember you saying something about kids, so I got confused. Okay. Yeah. Um, but I, I, I thought when I listened to LGTC, I listened to this on LGTC uh-huh. like a long time ago. I thought they had said she had like a dog or something that he was going to house it. But um, maybe were they referring to him as the dog? <laughs> <laughs> it possibly. was Kristen's story. I'm sure it was. <laughs> Like, I don't know why she would have him house it if she's just going to a conference, you know? Yeah, maybe. It's not like a month-long conference. she had pets or something. Yeah. So Michael had a key in the alarm code, so she had never thought about changing it after he moved out because she, you know, trusted that he would be fine. And so she got the the note. She's like, whatever. So she she walks out to her front front of the house and checks the mail, and she, like, stands in the yard for a few minutes reading, looking through the mail. She comes back in, she kicks off her shoes, and she looks down the hall and she's like, that's weird. My hall, like the hallway is really dark and my bedroom's really dark. And every morning she opens the curtains in her room. Mm-hmm. And so typically, like if it's light out, it's yeah. going to be light yeah. down. And she was like, she's like, that's very weird. So she slowly walks down the hall to her bedroom and walks in the bedroom and a man jumps out from behind the door. And grabs a man her. Or Michael. No, a man. Let's... Okay. The man was five foot nine, almost two hundred pounds, wearing a baseball cap pulled low, slacks, a striped st- shirt, and yellow rubber kitchen gloves. I thought you were gonna say yellow rubber boots. <laughs> <laughs> what like, was he like curious, George? <laughs> Who is little rubber ducky? <laughs> the guy on Creek. Oh God, the Joe. guy on Curious George. What's his name? The man in the yellow hat. The man in the yellow hat, yeah. I fucking love Curious George. Okay. Well, maybe you should marry him. Give <laughs> <laughs> me that look. Yeah. So he had, um, in his hand was a red and black claw hammer. Oh, God. He swings it and lands a swift <gasps> blow to her left temple with the hammer. Oh, my God. And suddenly, like, she kicks into, like, um... 
attack mode. And she remembers that her dad had always told her that if you're ever attacked, to get really as close to possible, as close as possible to the person that's attacking you, huh. because if they have like a weapon of some sort, right. they're not going to be able to hit you with it. Right, they don't have the force. And so um, he had also told her that if you ever use have to use a hammer in self defense, he was like a construction worker uh-huh. or something, to use a claw end because oh. it's going to do more damage. Right. And so she launched into action. She tackles him, pushes him against the wall. And the man said the only two words she would hear him say that night. You're strong. <laughs> oh, my God. At five foot four, Susan was five Holy inches. Shit. Yeah, she was five inches shorter than the man in the baseball cab. She had two bad knees from repeated injuries and excess weight, but she outweighed her attacker significantly. Which, okay, thanks a lot. <laughs> yeah, that's awful. Yeah, don't fucking write that about Out- me. How about she outsmarted? Or outpowered him. Yeah. I know. I'm sure a man wrote this. Well, honestly, I think there a man did because there were well, there were. I got this from a bunch of articles, but there was one article where I was like, I don't like the way that's worded. <laughs> like, yeah, that's it was kind of like felt bad for the guy. Mm-hmm. So she said in that moment she realized that he was there to kill her, and her adrenaline went into overdrive. Oh my god! And so she she wrestles the hammer away from him, hits him in the head a few times with oh it. Oh my god! And is yelling at him, who sent you? And he do, he's not responding. And so he wrestles the hammer back from her. And so she grabs his throat and squeezes it. And his face starts turning purple and blue. And she oh panics God. and lets go. And she runs out of the house. She, well, she starts trying to run out of the house. But he runs after her and catches her in the hallway. Oh, my God. And begins punching her in the face. Oh, no. Susan pulls him down to the floor and she starts to bite him on his arm and thigh because she thinks she's going to die. And so she's going to try to leave DNA and let people know that if, like, you find him, my bite marks and my DNA are on him. Yeah. But she can't tell anybody that if she dies. Why? Well, no, but (laughs) if they... If they, like, find him and no, they're, know, like, suspect him. I but I, I think it's weird, back to who sent you. Like, why would she think, why, see, my first thought would be, like, this is a robbery or something. You know what I mean? Right, like, because wrong. I think in her mind she knew who sent him. Like, uh, she, she I think was, she knew it was her husband. He must have said something There must have been, yeah, and, and nothing in any article I read said anything about it, like, why she would have thought that. But that was immediately what she thought. Told yeah, that's he must. She must have police. had a feeling about him. Yeah, which go figure. She was right. Yeah. So I mean, she seems very smart and like no bullshit. She's you know, badass. So she wrestles him until she manages to swing her left leg over his body and get her lar- left arm around his neck and get him into a chokehold. And then she screams, "Tell me who sent you here, and I will call you a fucking ambulance." <laughs> <laughs> but he just said nothing. He just growls at her. And so he tries to, like, flip her over, but she she keeps him in control. Like, she's sitting on top of him. Oh she's God. she's not letting go. And keeps him in a chokehold until he finally stops moving. Then she grabs, like, when she knows that he's, like... Passed out. Yeah, done. She grabs a hammer and runs to her neighbor's house to call 911. Which is... The fact that she had the, like, thought to grab the hammer when she's... Like, I feel like most of us would just run. Yeah, just run. Like, the fact that she was like, I need to grab the hammer and then, because I don't want him to have a weapon. Right. Well, also, too, it, well, unless he had gloves on, which I'm sure he did. He did, his yellow gloves. Oh, that's right. 
Yeah, but his DNA is going to be on the hammer because she hit him with it, too. Yeah, right. So the fight had lasted a total of 14 minutes. Oh, my God. That's so long. When she, it's That's so that's long. so long. Like, I'll wrestle with, like, Joseph for, like, two minutes and be exhausted. Yes. <laughs> They'll be like, okay, yeah. you got to stop. You got to stop. I know. Like, you can't even catch your breath. Yeah. So when she gets to her neighbor's house, she tells her what happens, and the neighbor calls 911. This is a portion of the transcript. Caller, we have an intruder in the house next door. The in- the intruder was in the bedroom with a hammer. The woman who lives there thinks she may have strangled him. He was down when she left. Dispatcher, can you put her on the phone? Caller, she's bleeding. Dispatcher, does she need an ambulance? Caller, no, she's a nurse. She says to call an ambulance for the guy. He may be dead. <laughs> <laughs> the call goes on. Dispatcher, what did she use on him? She strangled him? What else did she do? Caller, she put a chokehold on him. Dispatcher, I've got help on the way. Stay on the line. Caller, she has a hammer here. Dispatcher, don't touch it. Don't touch it. Just leave it there. Caller, she hit him in the head several times. There's, That's the hammer he had with him. She struck him and she strangled him. She thinks she's dead. Dispatcher, was he by himself? Caller, did he have anybody with him? No, she expressed a concern it may have been her ex-partner who sent the person. Dispatcher, have there been any problems with her ex-husband or her ex-partner? Caller, she did talk to Mike, her ex-partner, and asked him to house it for the cats. Oh, so I don't know how I missed that. Rose. <laughs> so she had some cats. Rose, they have cats. <laughs> <laughs> and he said he couldn't do it. He was on his way to the beach. He left her a note. He knows the alarm. Dispatcher, okay, that's good information to pass to the officers. So police get there, and they find a wallet with an ID in the man's back pocket. His name was Edward Dalton Haffey. Ed Haffey was a 59-year-old Vietnam veteran with a long rap sheet. Was? Yeah, was. Oh, wow. She killed him. She killed him? She killed him, yeah. Holy shit. Police first thought it was a burglary, but there was no signs of forced entry into the home. The day after the attack, Susan and her friend Helen went to Susan's house to collect her belongings. And while there, Helen found a backpack in the basement that didn't belong to Susan or Michael. Oh, weird. The the police had searched the house, but they didn't They didn't find the backpack because there's, like, the um, basement was very cluttered. And uh, so, and they don't know, like... Yeah, they don't know what was like, there. It's a random that, backpack, right. you know? Contained in the backpack were, was Hershey syrup container, $200 in cash, diabetes pills, or as Lynn would say, diabetes pills. Diabetes. <laughs> a day book and a pay stub made out to Ed. Notably, the daybook entry for Monday, September 4th, 2006, was marked Call Mike, and a manila envelope held Mike's new cell phone number. Oh, shit. So it was revealed that Ed had a nearly lethal dose of cocaine in his system during the attack on Susan in her home, which is even crazier that she was able to overpower him. Right. Because you know he was like... Had like... You have like superhuman strength when you're on cocaine. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my God. So she's a fucking bad. I mean, that's insane. That is crazy. Oh, my God. Head, she's amazing. I, I can't believe she killed him. <laughs> but, you know, that's what you get when you play pay. Yeah. What is it called? Fuck around and find oh, yeah, out. Yeah, exactly. He found out. Ed had recently resided in a trailer on Northeast Killingsworth Street. Street. Ed. Yeah, Ed, the guy who. Who's Ed? The guy she killed, Lynn. 
I'm going to kick you out of this room. Oh finish God, this podcast by myself. Ed's the dead. Ed's dead. <laughs> Ed's the dead. Ed's the dead. <laughs> but he lived on Northeast Killingsworth. Ew. Isn't that weird? And now he's dead. Yep. It wasn't he very should have lived at... on Northeast Dead Street. <laughs> <laughs> According to information provided by relatives and friends, he had been raised in an upper middle class household and was an enthusiastic tennis player. I guess he maybe got addicted to drugs. Court records revealed a gruesome crime 15 years earlier. <gasps> on February 28, 1991, Ed orchestrated the murder of his former girlfriend, 39-year-old Georgia Lee Dutton. Her decomposed remains were later discovered along the um, um, <laughs> oompa, oompa, doopity doo. I got it. Umqua. Umqua or umpa? I can't fucking say this. Umqua. Umqua? Umqua. It's U-M-P-Q-U-A. Umqua? Um, um, um. <laughs> U-M-P? Q-U-A. Q-U-A. Umqua. 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 River near Roseburg. Umqua. Ed entered a guilty plea to conspiracy to commit... Oh, wait, a what? ...aggravated murder on March 4th, 1994. You said a P. I'm going to... Instead of a plea. ...do this podcast by myself. <laughs> <laughs> and so he served nine years in the Eastern Oregon, uh, Oregon. <laughs> wait, what? Wait. Wait. We're falling apart, Lynn. Nine years? He served nine years. For murdering somebody. Yeah. Well, shit. So I don't know if he actually murdered her or if he just if they got somebody evidence. to murder her or what. Yeah, I guess maybe they didn't have enough evidence. So it's, wait, what was he charged with, second degree? It didn't say. It oh. says he just served. Oh. Entered a, he entered a guilty plea. Again! <laughs> See, you guys, I was not fucking around. She said pee. Did I say pee before? Yes, that's why I was laughing. <laughs> he entered a guilty plea. To conspiracy to commit aggravated murder. Okay. So basically... So it he, doesn't say he did it, but it's saying... No, he just did conspiracy what to Mike commit. did. So he was released on November 3rd, 2003. Upon his release, Ed relocated to Portland and sought employment. In July of 2004, he secured a job with Mike Kuhnhausen, who hired him to clean floors at Fantasy Adult Video. Oh, God. See, it does sound like it's a video shop. But they make videos. They could make videos. Why would you need more than one <laughs> maintenance person but, in a video okay, store? Maybe there were multiple video stores, and so he was a head person, and he hired people for each video store. Because you definitely need at least one person no, at each video store. No, you could have one or two people go around from store to store after they close. No, Lynn, there's like gobs of cum everywhere. In a video store? In an adult video store, yeah. Not, they are not jacking, they are not Oh, I bet they are. In the store. Oh, I bet they are. Okay. There are naked women on those have video covers. Have you never been in an adult video store? I have. There's nowhere to do that? No, but they're gross. They're just doing it on the okay. public. You go from Disney to Sploosh. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, upon looking at financial records... Police discovered that on the day of the assault, Mike drove his gold Dodge Neon to the coast. 
Tesla's a douchey car. He checked into the Lincoln City Inn using a credit card in the afternoon and returned to Portland that night. That's not suspicious. <laughs> he just no. fucking leave for one night. The following day, he spent 339 at the Silver Lining Pawn Shop on Northeast Sandy Boulevard to acquire a Taurus... 357 Magnum revolver. Why did he buy a... Oh, I know why he bought a gun. Now you're telling the story. You're asking <laughs> us. We don't know, Rose. We don't know. So on September 8th, Mike left a suicide note at his father's residence with the message, All I ever wanted was to be loved. She's going to punch me. I am going to punch you. <laughs> punch you real hard. <laughs> All I ever wanted was to be loved, and every time I had it, I messed it up. Aww. Aww. Poor Mike. I feel so bad for him. It's his heart. He he deserves to get off for trying to fucking murder his yeah. wife. Well, he can just get off right at work. Everyone else does. <laughs> <laughs> so he he tried to run away from the cops. Go figure. But they found him at 10, 10 a.m. on September 13th at Kaiser Sunnyside Medical Center claiming that he was going to um, that he had nothing to live for anymore, and he was going to check himself into a rehab, to or to a mental center, so that he could commit himself. Oh, poor guy. Yeah, he had nothing to live for. Yeah. Well, you would if he didn't kill your fucking wife. Yeah. Well, she already dumped him, so he really doesn't have anything to live so, for. So that's true. So officers played in a, placed him on an involuntary psychiatric hold and 11 hours later they arrested him on charges of conspiracy to commit murder I wonder how he reacted when they told him that his wife killed the guy I I bet he was like what the fuck that is really funny I bet he was shocked yeah Uh, we're suspected of a murder blah 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 and he's like yeah what you, is my wife okay? Is she okay? He's faking it. And they're like, no, she's fine. She killed the other person. <laughs> He's like, what? What? <laughs> oh, my God. I'd love to be a fly on the wall for that conversation. I mean, I feel like they would have found him even if they, the guy did kill her because oh, they yeah. would have connected. Well, I guess if, if Ed had gotten away. Well, I guess maybe not. If Ed had gotten away, they may have never found him. They still would have suspected him first because of the divorce and would have tracked every move he made for the days and weeks before. That's true. Yeah, that's true. And it would have been suspicious that he suddenly went away for one random night. Yeah, and they found his credit card receipt for the buying a gun. And yeah, so additional evidence implicated a collaboration with Ed in a possible conspiracy. Despite the absence of forced entry at Susan's residence, security records indicated that someone had disabled the alarm at her house while Susan was at work. Mike later claimed responsibility for this act, but he said he was just dropping off the note about not being able to mm. go to the beach. Poor guy. He's getting blamed for He something. did not let Ed in the house. Mm. Because instead of, like, calling someone and letting them know, it's better to go all the way to their house and dr- drop off a note. Yeah, I mean, it makes sense. Yeah. Makes sense. Totally. Yeah. So, authorities. You can get out of town. That's true, yeah. 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 So, you're not suspect. Yes. Authorities remained skeptical of Mike's plans of innocence and his alibi, claiming he had been at the beach. His recent job loss, homelessness, and Susan naming her brother as the life insurance beneficiary raised suspicions. So, 
they had split up, so she changed her will. As she should. And she, she, I think she did that because she knew that he... She ha- had a feeling. Like, yeah. she had a feeling, yeah. yeah. Because who changes their will that quickly? Yeah. They hadn't been separated that long. Yeah. So they were like, well, why would he kill her if he wasn't her beneficiary? Like, he's not going to get any money out of it. I'll show her. But they dug a little further and found out that... M- they had paid off the house, their house, which was valued around three hundred thousand, uh-huh. and Mike would get the house if Susan died. Uh, the, the house was Susan's. Uh, he moved in with her, but he would get it if she died, why? because they were married. Oh, they weren't divorced yet. Yeah, okay. that makes sense. And so, by the time of Mike's arrest, detectives have had acquired employment records from Fantasy Adult Video, providing proof that Mike was acquainted with Ed. On September eighteenth, a former cellmate of Ed reached out to the police reporting that Ed had approached him about participating in a burglary described as an insurance scam. The informant informed the police that during his this discussion, he and Ed encountered an individual at Southeast 82nd Avenue and Division Street. This person turned out to be Mike, who, alleged, who allegedly offered the informant $5,000 to assist Ed in killing his wife. The guy was like, no, nah, that's okay. I don't want to do that. <laughs> $5,000 to... Assist Ed in killing his wife. Right. But this is all just for basically $300,000. Well, basically for a house. Right. $300,000. Yeah. Like, right? It's valued at $300,000. Right. Not worth it. But I wonder if he even knew that Susan had changed the will. That could be, too. Like, maybe he didn't... Or changed her insurance. I'm sure she, he, he didn't know. How would he know? Right. Unless she told him. Right. I mean, she could have, and that could have set him off. Although, if if you're like, if you're suspecting, like, if you're gonna kill me, and you're my, <laughs> you're like, yeah, I'm pondering. Go ahead, <laughs> go ahead. Next, and you're my beneficiary. I'm gonna tell you if if I suspect that you are like planning yeah. to kill me. I'm gonna be like, no, Lynn, I changed it to Chris. And then I'm like, ugh. Guess then I'm you're like, kill her. fuck. On to the next person. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I guess. So I feel like she may have told him, but I mean. Well, I'd still kill you then, and I'd just marry Chris and get everything. Although she could have had like a savings or something that he would have gotten. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. That's weird. You're going to marry Chris and get everything? Good yeah. luck. <laughs> You're like, go ahead. Not much there. Yeah, you can have him. <laughs> um, no, they, like, I don't know. Maybe, I don't know. There's a lot of skeptics. That wasn't a dig at Chris, by the way. That was a dig at us not having money <laughs> or anything to have. No, you're saying you can have him and, and the all kids. the problems. <laughs> No, thanks. I'm good. Good. Got plenty of my own problems. Good luck being poor in a different way. Then I would bring all my problems to your house and have all my problems and all your problems and all your kids. Nah. No, that's too much, Lynn. I'm good. So on December 7th, on December, on November 17th, another witness informed the police that he had driven Ed to meet a bald man in the parking lot of an Applebee's near Interstate 205. Fucking Days Applebee's. afterward, he identified the man in the news as Mike after Susan's attack had occurred. Brian Davidson, a prosecutor on the case, said he could deny it all he wanted, but the weight of the evidence was overwhelming. We know what you did, Mike. We know what you did, motherfucker. You're going down. So on August 30th, 2007, Mike pleaded guilty to conspiracy to commit murder and received a 10-year prison sentence. I think he should be in there for life. This whole 10 and 9 years, like, what the fuck? I know. He confessed to offering Ed $50,000 for Susan's murder. Right. So where was he expecting to get this money? He didn't have a job. No, because if he killed her, 
if he killed her, he would have the house. He'd probably sell the house. Or maybe, oh. like you said, maybe there was a savings or something yeah. like that that they, she had. But $50,000, that's a lot. Fearing Mike's potential threat upon his release, Susan took various preca- precautions. She relocated, installed security systems, surrounded her house with gravel for heightened awareness, acquired a firearm, and learned how to use it. So she gravel. put gravel all around so that, you know, if somebody, like, drives or walks on gravel, you can hear them. Yeah. And so that's how paranoid she was because oh she was afraid goodness. he was going to come after her again. Yeah, you can definitely hear someone pulling down a gravel driveway. She brought a civil suit against Michael and was awarded $1 million. And she knew she'd never get that money because he didn't have $1 million. But she's, this is how fucking smart she is. She knew that. If he had to pay her whatever, you know, money, income he was getting, he wouldn't be able to hire a hitman. He wouldn't be able to afford it. Yeah. Because he wouldn't have any money because he's giving it all to her. So that was her way of ensuring that when he got out of prison, he wasn't able to hire a hitman. Oh, shit. She said, I'm doing a life sentence for picking a bad husband. Same girl. (laughs) 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 Sorry. I don't know why that was funny. (laughs) Scheduled for, well, your story kind of ends the same, actually. Scheduled for release on September 14th, 2014. Michael passed away in June, 92 days before his release, succumbing to prostate cancer. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) Susan, while expressing sadness, also experienced a significant amount of relief. Oh, my God, yes. In a media statement, she remarked, I don't mourn his passing. I mourn the life he could have had Mm -hmm. if only he had opened his heart for those of us who cared about him, instead of being like, life is a shit sandwich. Susan conveyed her shared hope with the Kuhnhausen family that Michael would find peace, he, the peace he had eluded in this world. Jailhouse letters showed Mike never acknowledged his guilt. He claimed oh, he'd pleaded to the crime only to escape a possibly longer sentence. Mm-hmm. He continued to believe he was a true victim. Oh, poor guy. Poor Mike. Bless his heart. These days, Susan dedicates her time to sharing her story with other, others. As an advocate for tr- crime victims, she aspires to provide support and assistance by recounting her experiences. Despite acknowledging that taking the life of her attacker was an incredibly difficult decision, Susan struggled with the media's portrayal of her as a hero. Her boss, however, offered a perspective that resonated deeply with her. They're not labeling you a... (laughs) Labia? Is that what you said? I totally was like, oh my God. (laughs) They're not labeling you a hero because you took a life. They're calling you a hero because they wish to believe that under similar circumstances, they too could persevere and survive. That is the story of a badass woman. She is awesome. I mean, that is nuts. amazing. Go her, man. That is amazing. Like, she, like it, it's amazing what, you know, they say that, um, you know, if you, I know you've heard this, but like women have like picked up cars when their kids. Are yeah, like, right. Like yeah. you're adrenaline and your strength comes from nowhere really like it just happens and so that must have been what happened to her well and and i wonder wonder if she just loved life so much that she was like no i'm not fucking dying yeah and i'm not letting my husband kill me i wonder if too she had some sort of besides her dad did she have some sort of training from working in the er like yeah i i think i said that that she had er training she had training um self-defense training from working in the er ER. okay i don't remember hearing that yeah that's what i was thinking i was thinking because you know, they definitely have to deal with some crazy right, shit. Right, yeah. So, so she she definitely had um, 
training from I that. Can't believe she killed him though. That's crazy. That's crazy. And she probably, you know, I'm, I'm sure she didn't feel bad about it, but you still like that. That's how does it be a mind fuck? You know, oh, yeah, like, no, that's what she says. She's like, I don't. She's like, people call me a hero, but I. All I know is that I killed a man and I have to live with that. Yeah, that's horrible. Yeah. Like, I wouldn't. I mean, yeah. She and she did tried it not to. Total self-defense. Yeah. But at the same time. She tried to say, like, I, like, run out of the house. And then he tried to chase her down. And then she yeah. tried to say, like, she I'll call you chance. an ambulance. She gave, she gave him chance. multiple chances. She did. You don't attack like a fucker. Boys. So, you guys, if you like that, <laughs> reach out to us and let us know on our social media at No Ordinary Women Pod on Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok, and on the X at No Ord Women Pod, O R D. And you can reach us by email at alin.puntillo at noordinarywomenpod.com or rose.stein at noordinarywomen.com. Pod.com. <laughs> so, yeah, let us know how you liked it. Give us any ideas if you guys would like to hear us cover somebody, would like us to cover somebody. Um, we always love suggestions. Always, always. Yes. So, Please. until next week. Give it to us. Give it to us, baby. Give it to us. <laughs> Bye. Bye.